0: It's such a joy to worship with all of you. Praise the Lord. So everyone living in this world needs faith. We all believe or put our trust in someone or something. The one we give our first priority to trust is what we worship. Some people believe that wealth, is the most important thing. So they worship wealth and revolve their lives around money. Some people believe that pleasure is most important, so they try their best to seek pleasure, even to the point of indulgence and addiction, while others take certain relationships as the most important and do everything they can to keep that relationship. However, sometimes one can lose himself in doing this. Wealth, pleasure and the relationship are all good things given to us by God, but when people try to worship them, try to give them the glory and position that should be given to God only, these things become idols, and the people's attitude and action toward these things become idol worship. In Psalm 115, it says that idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear, nose, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel feet, but do not walk, and they, they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust them. Yes, idols, they do not have life in themselves. They cannot speak. They do not make a sound in their throat, because they are created by men. But God is not like this. God is not created by man, but he himself is the creator of heavens and earth, including all men. And the God does speak to us. God speaks to us through his word written in the scripture. Scripture gives us knowledge of who God is, as well as God's view for us. From scripture, we know that as man, We should worship God only. Today we are going to study Psalm 95 together. This psalm tells us two reasons why we should worship God and a warning against our unbelief towards God and his word. I'm going to read this psalm in Chinese first and then in English. Please listen to God's word. 诗篇95篇 来啊, 在照我们的耶华面前跪下 因为他是我们的神, 我们是他朝场的羊, the Psalm 95 Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is great God, and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts at at Meribah, as on the day at Masha in the wilderness. When your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, lo, they have seen my work. For 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways, therefore, I swore in my rest, they shall not enter my rest. Father, thank you for giving us your word. And as I'm going to preach your word, please help me that I may c- clearly communicate your word to our people that your name may be glorified among us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this psalm can be divided into two parts. The first part is from verse 1 to verse 7c. In this part, the psalmist gives two reasons for worshipping God. And the second part is from verse 7d to verse 11. In this part, the psalmist gave us a warning against unbelief. Let's start from the first part, two reasons for worshipping God. In the first two verses, the psalmist used the expression let us, multiple times. This plural form shows that Psalm 95 was used as a call to congregational worship. So this psalm is not for individuals in private worship, but for Israel people's public worship in the temple on Sabbaths, similar to our Sunday worship today. Before he gives the two reasons for worshiping God, the psalmist tells us how we should approach god in our congregational worship in verse 1b the psalmist says that let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation and in verse 2 he continues that let us come into his presence with thanksgiving let us make a joyful noise with songs of praise here the psalmist calls god's people to draw near to god in praise with joy and thanksgiving. So joy and thanksgiving are asked from Israel people while they are worshiping God together. But where do this joy and thanksgiving come from? The answer is in the name which the psalmist used for God in verse 1, the rock of our salvation. Israel people have experienced God's salvation in their history innumerable times. They experienced it since their time in Egypt as slaves and throughout their history. So God is called the rock of our salvation by the psalmist. Salvation means that someone is saved from a bad condition to a good condition. And when one is saved from a bad condition to a good condition, there will be joy and thanksgiving produced naturally in one's heart. So the joy and thanksgiving required or asked by God from Israel people are also given by God through His salvation. And this is how Israel people should approach God in their congregational worship, that is with joy and thanksgiving. This is the same for us today. How should we approach God in our Sunday worship? The answer is we approach God with joy and thanksgiving because of God's salvation for us in Jesus Christ. However, as we are still in flesh and living in this fallen world, we tend to lose this joy and thanksgiving. So brothers and sisters, we need to keep ourselves in this joy and thanksgiving that we may proclaim God's salvation among us every time in our Sunday worship. Beginning in verse 3, the psalmist gives the first reason for worshiping God. He says that, For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In this world, men created many gods by their hands to worship. But scripture tells us, There is only one true God, who is the creator of the heavens and the earth. In verse 4 and 5, the psalmist says that, In His hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are His also, the sea is His, for He made it, and His hand formed the dry land. These two verses describe God's creation from both vertical dimension and horizontal dimension. The psalmist wants to emphasize that God created everything and takes control of everything everywhere in the universe. The God we worship is not a local God. As some people might think, who can only take control of a certain area? No, our God is universal. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He is the author of human history. He is the Lord above all. And this is the first reason why men should worship God, because he is the Lord of all creation. So, case. Do you know who is behind all the beauty you see in this world? The blue sky above, the tree you climb on, the beach you play on by the sea, your favorite season, your favorite plant, and your favorite pet. It is God who created all these things, including us. That's why you are here during worship with your parents. We all should worship God, our Creator. Now, we are going to see God's creation of man more clearly in verse 6. In verse 6, the psalmist caused Israel people to worship God once again. He calls them to bow down and kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Just now we saw God as the creator of heaven and earth, and now we see God as Maker of man. This is the same order with the creation order written in the book of Genesis. God created everything else in the first five days except man. And in the sixth day, God created man. This creation order expresses God's special care, love, and purpose for man. Just like parents would prepare their baby's room before their baby's birth, so God created everything else before he created man. Man is the crown of the of all creation, because God gives his image only to man. And God's purpose for man is not only to let man represent himself in the world, but also to help man to enter an intimate relationship with God himself. And this intimate relationship is a covenantal relationship that is first seen in God's covenant with Adam, and later also seen in God's covenant with Israel people as a whole. This covenantal relationship between God and Israel people is the second reason given by the psalmist for worshiping God. See in verse seven that, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. This is a covenantal language describing God's covenant with Israel people. Leviticus chapter 26, Verse 9 and 12 say that I will turn to you and make you fruitful and multiply you and will confirm my covenant with you. And I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. In the Old Testament, God chose Israel people as his own people. And God revealed his law to them and led them like a shepherd so that they may know God enter into this intimate covenantal relationship with God and enjoy His presence among them. This intimate covenantal relationship reflects that God is not only the Creator Lord of Israel, but also the Savior Lord of Israel. As their Savior, God saved them and will continue to save them from all their enemies because of His covenant with them. So Israel people should worship God their Savior with joy and thanksgiving. Today, brothers and sisters, when we gather together to worship God, we are also motivated by God's gracious saving acts shown to us in Jesus Christ. He He saved us, God saved us from sin, death, and the final judgment through Jesus Christ. He made a covenant with us through the blood Jesus said on the cross, So, we have even stronger motivation to worship God with joy and thanksgiving. We know more about His mercy and grace. And with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we are more aware of God's presence among us. Therefore, let us celebrate with joy and thanksgiving in our worship and enjoy God every time we gather. Now we have seen the two reasons given by the psalmist for worshiping God. First, man should worship God because he is our creator. We are his creature. Second, man should worship God because God is our savior and he graciously made covenant with us. These two reasons are already very sufficient for man to worship God. However, in Israel's history, we see them turn away from God to idol worship many times. And today it is also our temptation to turn away from God to worship idols. First John chapter one, verse eight says that, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Though Jesus had conquered the power of sin on the cross, though our sins have been forgiven by God through faith in Jesus, there is still the sin in us that we need to constantly fight against. Or we will be led astray from God. The psalmist knows this well, so from verse 7d, he gives a warning to Israel people against their sin of unbelief. Now, we come to the second part of this psalm, a warning against unbelief. Verse 7 says that today, if you hear his voice, here the psalmist takes what he writes about, that is from verse 1 to verse 7C, as God's voice to his people. It is God himself speaking through those words. The matter is whether you hear it, or not. How does God speak here? Does God's voice come through supernatural phenomena, such as a voice from the sky with thunder and lightning? Or does God's voice come through uh, an angel? There are cases when God would utter his voice in these supernatural ways, but here God's voice does not come through those ways, but comes through a most common and frequent way, like that is, through human words. It seems that it's the psalmist who is speaking here, but ultimately it is God himself who is speaking through the psalmist. So when we hear from the psalmist, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. It is God himself calling us to bring joy and thanksgiving to worship him. This is also true for us today. Though we are not the direct audience of the the psalmist as Israel people, the written form of God's word remains to be God's voice for us. Because God's voice is not just for a certain generation, it is for all generations. Just like God himself is not limited to a certain physical area, he is the Lord above all lands and all seas. His word is also not limited to a certain age, it is eternal. Heaven and earth will pass, but the word of God will endure forever. Today, this Bible, this Bible, is God's voice in its written form. We hear God's voice through the scripture every time it is read or preached. Brothers and sisters, each time when you are exposed to the Bible, Listen carefully to what God is speaking to you in your circumstances. This is God's voice for you. After directing Israel people's attention to God's voice, the psalmist gave a warning to them, saying that, Do not harden your hearts, as at Meribah, as on the day at Masha in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, lo, they have seen my work. Here the psalmist mentioned a historical event happened to Israel people in the wilderness after God led them out of Egypt. This event was recorded in Exodus chapter 17. When Israel people camped at Raphidim, there was no water for them to drink. In this situation, Israel people quarreled with Moses saying, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? We need to understand that Moses was not the ultimate leader of Israel people. God was their ultimate leader, who led them out of Egypt and in the wilderness. Moses was God's servant, a mediator between God and the Israel people. God revealed himself and his word to Moses first, and then Moses delivered God's revelation to Israel people for them to trust and obey. In order to affirm the authority given to Moses, God performed many miracles through Moses before the eyes of Israel people. But ultimately, it was God who declared judgments on the whole land of Egypt and led Israel people out of Egypt. It was also God who divided the Red Sea for Israel people to go through. It was also God who performed the miracles in the wilderness to sustain Israel people with food and water. And God used these miracles to speak to Israel people that he was among them. So when Israel people quarreled with Moses, they were quarreling with God himself. After they had seen so many miracles performed before them, they still did not trust that God was among them and for them. In quarreling with Moses, Israel people were expressing this from their unbelieving heart that God is not here. Even though the evidence of God's presence was so clear, even though they saw many signs of God's presence, they were testing God with their unbelief. Their unbelief hardened their hearts against such clear revelation of God. So unbelief makes Israel people deny God's revelation of himself and his presence among them. This is sin before God, and the sin would provoke God's anger. That's why in verse 10, God said that, For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people who go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. God loathed that generation of Israel people because they despised God's revelation towards them due to the unbelief in their heart. God's revelation of himself and his words was so clear before the eyes of Israel people. However, when there was unbelief in their hearts, they could neither see nor understand God's way that had already been revealed to them but went astray by their own way. So in verse 11, God judged Israel people by swearing in his rest. They shall not enter my rest. Israel people were in slavery before God. Save them uh, out of Egypt. They did not have rest in their lives because of slavery. They were overloaded with many hard works and were treated poorly by Egyptians. One goal of God's salvation for them is to, was to release them from their bondage, set them free, and give them rest. However, after Israel people left Egypt and tested by God of their faith in the wilderness, their unbelief brought God's judgment upon them. Let whole generation eventually died in the wilderness. They could not enter the promised land, could not enter God's rest. Hebrews 3.19 says that, So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. So unbelief is the reason why why that whole generation of Israel people could not enter God's rest. In other words, if one wants to enter God's rest, one must repent from his unbelief and put his trust in God. The book of Hebrews also says that, And without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. God displeases with those who distrust Him and His revelation, but would reward those who seek Him in faith. Therefore, the psalmist uses Israel's example of unbelief as a warning to those who draw near to worship God in the temple, so that they may not provoke God's anger with their unbelief, but come to his presence with faith to enjoy God and to enter his rest on Sabbath. Just as God gave revelation of himself and his words to Israel people in Exodus, this psalm was also God's revelation of Himself and His words to Israel people in their day and to us today. Throughout Israel's history in the Old Testament, we see that God revealed Himself and His words to them many times. However, Israel people, though entered the promised land, failed to trust and obey God's word. Finally, God judged Israel people in His anger, their country was conquered. They were exiled from the promised land, sojourned in this world without home, without rest. Israel's failure before God illustrated all sinners' failure before God. As sinners, unbelief is rooted deeply in all of us. We all failed to trust and obey God in our lives. We all desperately desire to enter God's rest, but where can we find our hope to enter God's rest? Our hope is only from God himself. Though we displease God with our unbelief, but God, out of his own mercy and grace, appointed another day for sinners like Israel people, like you and I, to enter his rest. In order to welcome fallen men into his rest, God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to represent us before him. Wherever Israel people had failed, Jesus succeeded. He trusted and obeyed God when he was tempted in the wilderness. Wherever we failed, we could also trust on his success. He obeyed God even to the point of death. And because of his obedience, especially his substitution on the cross, God's wrath against our unbelief was propitiated and sinful men could finally enter God's rest through faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, Jesus invites us even now by these words, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This gentle and lowly Jesus is God's way for sinners to enter God's rest. There is no other way for us to rest with God in peace. Brothers and sisters, today we are already in God's rest through our faith in Jesus Christ. This is not a result of our own works, but a gift from God. With this gift in our lives, we worship God with joy and thanksgiving. Because God is good, He not only revealed His word to us, but also sent His Son to obey His word for us, that we may enter His rest because of Jesus' obedience. Thank you, God and Jesus Christ, for your mercy and grace. We praise you with joy and thanksgiving. In the end, let's see how to apply this psalm in our lives. First, if we want to experience joy, thanksgiving, and rest in God. We need to prepare ourselves before Sunday worship. As we know that we are still living in this fallen world, our hearts are constantly distracted away from God. The world is trying to fill us with all kinds of anxieties, making us joyless and restless. Sometimes, even right before we go to church on Sunday morning, Our hearts are filled with anxieties. So we really need to prepare ourselves before we go to church on Sunday morning, that we may enter God's rest through our worship. One of the best best ways to prepare ourselves before Sunday worship is through meditation on the gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God, and it tells us what God has accomplished for us in Jesus Christ. And as we prepare ourselves each and every week before Sunday worship, we remind ourselves that in this life, we are sojourners. And this life is a preparation for us to enter our heavenly rest. That is, when we will meet Jesus face to face and worship God with all the saints together forever. This is our final rest in God we are joyfully and thankfully looking forward to that day. Second, we need to bring the joy, thanksgiving, and rest in our Sunday worship to our daily life. Dear brothers and sisters, we don't only express this joyful, thankful, and restful life in our Sunday worship, but since the day we have been saved by God. Through the gospel, our entire life is defined by joy thanksgiving and rest this is not because we won't have any adversity or suffering after we become christians no god does not promise light for us but because but it is because everything we meet in our lives is out of the good purpose of god we trust that god is in control and he is most wise even out of bad things God can bring out His good purposes. We can know this from the cross of Jesus Christ. God's love and righteousness are perfectly met on the cross. God's salvation for sinners like you and I are fulfilled on the cross. And the cross is the most horrible thing. God brings out His best purpose for men through the most horrible cross. So, we can trust that God is always good, and He always had good purpose for us, no matter what situation comes to us. So, brothers and sisters, we can extend our joy, thanksgiving, and rest in our Sunday worship to every area of our lives because of God's goodness. At last, I'd love to say some words from this psalm to those friends among us who are still seeking to know God. The reason why we Christians gather every Sunday here is this. We gather to worship God, who not only created us, but also saved us in His Son, Jesus Christ. And save us from our sin, death, and final judgment has brought us into His rest through Jesus Christ. Today, God is among us, and He speaks through His words recorded in the Bible. When you hear this psalm praised today, God is speaking to you. When you hear the psalmist said that today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Don't take this as only human word. It is God's word. God is telling you now, Don't harden your hearts as you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, but repent from your sins and put your trust in Jesus Christ. Then you will be saved from sin, death, and the final judgment. You will enter God's rest. Don't learn from Israel people who harden their hearts because of unbelief. They despise God's revelation, and finally they were judged by God's rest. rest. Repent. Put your trust in Christ. Try your best to escape from God's rest and enter into God's rest through Jesus Christ. May God bless those who not only hear his voice, but also love to trust and obey it. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you because of your wonderful words to us. We praise you because you gave us this joy and thanksgiving uh, through your salvation. And uh, we pray that your name may be continually glorified among us. And uh, we're looking forward to our heavenly rest. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.